Thanks for watching my Christmas cookie tutorial. For more easy cookie decorating, please subscribe to my These look so good. I wasn't sure that I could pull it off, but go ahead, try one. Oh, no, that's okay. No, I, I want you to have the first bite. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas Day. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> oh, good. No, don't do it. Oh. Christmas, right? <laughs> hey, good morning. I want to welcome all of you at all of our churches as we're in week three of our conversation that we've entitled, Who Needs Christmas? And man, we are so glad that you're here for this conversation as we conclude. If you haven't been here for the last few weeks, you can go online or you can go to our app and you can listen to the, the previous two conversations because we think they'll be very helpful for you during this Christmas season. Now, what's really interesting about today is this, is like, we're like three, three days away from Christmas, right? And the, the countdown's in full force, and some of you are experiencing a little of the hecticness that you've just saw in that uh, bumper video. And, and, and while it can be really hectic this time of the year, I think the thing that most of us, is I, even myself, I think the most, that most of us love about Christmas is this whole idea of excitement right? Like Christmas is just fun because most people during the Christmas season are really in a great mood. And even depending on what like stage of life that you're in, it's like either exciting to like give gifts or maybe receive gifts or, or maybe both of those kind of things. And like, I, I've talked to so many parents and grandparents who have smaller children and they're so excited about what they're going to experience on Christmas morning as their children or their grandchildren open up their presents, you know? And man, my wife told me a couple weeks ago that I didn't have to buy her a gift because she had already bought her gift from me. And I'm like, so what did you buy? And she's like, I can't tell you. It's going to be a surprise. So I'm excited about Christmas this year because it's going to be pretty excited. But I have to tell you this. So in her attempt to surprise me for what she bought for herself from me, the other evening, I drive up at the house. It's about 536 o'clock. It's after dark. And this truck pulls in behind me. And guess what happens? It's the FedEx truck. And he goes, I got some pretty big boxes. You might want to put them in your shed. 
It didn't take me long that that was my surprise to my wife. But I didn't look. So I still don't know what it is. But I went in and I told my wife. She wasn't excited. She's like, are you serious? I mean, I'm trying to do some surprise. And the, you, and the FedEx truck. And then guess what? Here's what even got better about this thing. It created more confusion. So some of you, you, you might have this kind of excitement. So a little bit later, and the guy told me, the FedEx guy, he goes, oh, by the way, the wheels are going to come or the tires are going to come on the next truck. So I did tell her this. I said, it has tires. I said, I know that. The tires are going to come. And when you know the truck, next truck pulls up and it's got these car tires. So now both of us are confused. And then we found out that my youngest daughter, who just got married in August, they were coming down for Christmas, which they're here now, and they're going to celebrate Christmas with us. He bought a set of tires, had them shipped to our house because he didn't think he could get them in time to get them put on his car before they got here and was going to have them put on when he got here. So now I'm really confused. I don't know what we are getting for Christmas this year, but anyhow, it's going to be exciting, right? See, I mean, it's just like, that's the way the holidays goes. There's all this excitement because sometimes it's just excitement from confusion. Like, it's just exciting to spend time with family and friends as well because there's always funny things that happen and great things that happen. And let's be honest, I mean, for some of you, it's really an exciting time because you get a few days off from work paid. Some of you get off from school, you know, like, and you're really, you know, like all of us like that kind of thing, right? Like some of you are just excited because there are certain Christmas traditions that you enjoy, like whether it's where you go or what you eat or maybe the games that you play together as a family every year. Like one of the things that I know going into Christmas, we never have to worry about having energy on the Sundays coming right up to Christmas because everybody's excited. Everybody's like got this buzz going on and a good Good mood because Christmas carries a lot of excitement with us. But here's the thing. There's a whole other side to this Christmas thing that's rarely ever talked about. And honestly, unless you've experienced it, you probably don't think about it. But for some of you, Christmas isn't really exciting. It's not exciting. It's, in fact, it's tough for you because you lost someone that you love this year. And it's your first Christmas without them. Some of you have experienced a fractured family this year. And this is going to be like the first Christmas where everybody won't be together. Like some of you experienced a failed marriage this year or a failed relationship. And and this is going to be your first Christmas alone. Some of you, you just found out this year that you're facing a life-threatening illness And this is like your first Christmas as a family battling this illness. Others of you, you lost a job or you watched a dream die this year or you got the news that you would never have biological children. And it's like your first Christmas to deal with the disappointment that comes with those kind of things. Some of you had an engagement in this year. And you were anticipating this is your first Christmas married. And now you're overwhelmed with the thought of your first Christmas alone. And so while it feels like everybody else around you is enjoying Christmas and is all excited about Christmas, that's not the feeling you have at all. What you feel is fear and anxiety. Like everybody else is looking forward to this week and man, they just can't wait till Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. 
and you're afraid and you're anxious to face your first Christmas without something or someone that you love. So while a lot of people around you can't wait for Christmas to get here, you can't wait for it to get past. And if that's you, if like you're consumed with fear and anxiety and disappointment and discouragement, here's the truth that we want you to know this morning. You need Christmas. As much as you don't want to have to go through Christmas, as much as you want it to go past, you need Christmas. And even if you're like feeling all the excitement and things have kind of gone well for you this year, here's what we also know if we just stop and think about it. At some point in our life in the future, something that could happen in our life that would trigger fear and anxiety and discouragement and pain and difficulty in our lives as well. So with that thought in mind, we could say, all of us, we need Christmas. Because what Christmas does is Christmas gives us this hope and it gives us this comfort and it gives us this strength that we all need whenever we inevitably face those moments of fear and anxiety and discouragement and doubt, either right now in this season or maybe in a future season. See, the reason that the Christmas season or the Christmas story is so relevant to every one of us when we're experiencing these kind of moments filled with, filled with fear and anxiety and doubt and discouragement is because the people who are like the central players in the first Christmas, they also experience fear and anxiety at a level that most of us have never thought that they did. And here's what was interesting as we look at their story this morning is we'll discover that they were given this amazing gift from God, a gift that God also wants for all of us, especially for us during this time of the year. So what we're going to talk about today and what we're going to learn from this story is how that we can experience God's peace in the middle of our fear and our anxiety in our season of discouragement disappointment and pain. Now, Matthew, who was like one of Jesus' disciples, and he knew a lot of the people who had experienced Jesus' birth personally, he got the facts from those people, and he tells us a lot about what happened around the first Christmas event. In fact, here is how Matthew tells the story. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. So how did the birth of the Messiah come about? Well, Matthew says, I'm about to tell you. Now, here's the interesting thing before we get into that. Before Matthew jumps in the story, Matthew, who is a Jewish man, he wants us to know up front that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, this word Messiah here is actually, it's a Hebrew word. The Greek equivalent word is Christ. So Christ is not Jesus' last name. In other words, it wasn't Mary and Joseph Christ and their son Jesus Christ, right? No, the term Christ, the Christ, was actually a Greek term from the Hebrew term that meant Messiah, the one that the Jews had been waiting so long for to be their redeemer, to be their deliverer. And so Matthew, once he kind of establishes that, then he continues with how the birth of the Messiah came about. And here's what he says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. 
So what typically happens, just think about it this way, put it in 21st century context, what typically happens whenever a couple pledges themselves to each other through engagement? What, what, what is the word that we would often use? It's a word, excitement, right? Like the girlfriends, they get to all huddle up and they get to scream and talk at the same time and ooh and all over the ring kind of deal. And there's like, oh, this is so crazy, you know? And the guys, they stop long enough to kind of slap the guy on his back and go, hey, congrats, man. You know, that's about the level of their excitement. But there's all this excitement around an engagement, right? It's just expressed differently between the male and the female. So there's all this anticipation and there's this countdown till the days of the marriage. There are these late night conversations about hopes and dreams and the future and what we're going to do and where we're going to go, what it's going to look like to be together. And then there's all these wedding plans and there's all this dress shopping and then there's these bachelor parties and bachelorette parties. Like when you find two people engaged in love, it is really hard to rain on their parade, isn't it? It really is. Like very few things can mess up the excitement of an engaged couple. But there's like one word that will mess it up every time. In fact, look back to verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but have you ever had this word blindside you? Have you ever thought things were going great, but, like we had everything planned out, but, like this year was going to be our best year ever, but, I was supposed to be married this Christmas, but, I was supposed to have this new job by the time the first of the year started, but, or we couldn't wait for Christmas to come, but. See, nobody wants this word right here, but, to be part of their story. But let's be honest, it shows up in our lives all the time, doesn't it? And when it does, what does it do? It often robs us of the excitement and the hope that we've been carrying as we've been looking forward. In fact, it certainly did for Mary and Joseph. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But first, look back at verse 18. Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph. And there's all this excitement and everything is great. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with someone other than Joseph. Or by someone other than Joseph. See, most time we read this and go, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We just keep right on reading. And we forget this is a bot. This is a blindside. In other words, Matthew says, one day Mary shows up and she rocks Joseph's world. And she says, I'm pregnant. And Joseph goes, but not by me. And to make matters worse, this Jewish girl has concocted a story, oh, that it wasn't by another man, Joseph, it was by this Holy Spirit that miraculously caused me to be pregnant. And going, Joseph, I haven't really cheated on you. It was like the Holy Spirit. I mean, imagine being Joseph, like in a split second. All the excitement, all the anticipation, all of that gets crushed by fear and anxiety. I mean, their world in this moment, it goes into a tailspin and they don't even know what to make of this. Like they're not counting down the days to a wedding anymore. Like Mary's too busy wondering, will Joseph even believe her? 
Like, will her father kill her? Like, what are the people around her going to think? I mean, let's be honest. Mary's story right here, it's not real believable. I mean, like, think about this. If you're a parent or you're a brother or you're a sister, if your daughter or your sister showed up and told you, hey, I'm pregnant. Like, she's been dating a guy and she goes, oh, I'm pregnant. But it's not by the guy I'm dating. It's by the Holy Spirit. Like as much as you love your daughter or as much as you love your sister, you wouldn't buy it for a moment, would you? You'd be like, come on, Mary. Like, who's going to believe that? What have you been smoking? You know, like that's so far out there. Be honest, Mary. And you're automatically going to start blaming Joseph. And then Mary's going to go... It wasn't by Joseph, I swear. It's not by Joseph. And then you're going to even be more angry at her because you're going to be thinking, really? Now you got another guy involved? This is a mess. And then Mary's going, oh, no, 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 no. There's no other man involved. It was an angel. An angel appeared to me. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, right. A real angel. Like, who's going to believe this story? So not only is Mary pregnant, but she's concocted this lie. She's made up this far-fetched story. Now she's acting like she's crazy. And then Matthew tells us that Joseph's not buying this either. Like, this guy is totally And his world has fallen apart. He absolutely doesn't know what to do. It's like the love of his life has now come and told him that she has cheated on him. And he's going, she can't be trusted anymore. And here's the thing. There's no way Joseph is falling for this story either. That God has somehow supernaturally through an angel caused her to be pregnant without doing anything. And Joseph probably knows in his heart. Everybody's going to assume it's me, that I'm the father. And then when he denies it and Mary goes, oh, yeah, he's not the father. And then she makes up this ridiculous story about like she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Then that's just going to make everybody else even more suspicious about the situation. And even to make matters worse, that engagement in that day basically carried the same legal weight as marriage. So in the eyes of the law, they were like as good as Mary, as married. So Joseph can't just easily walk away. He's got to do the equivalent of a divorce kind of thing. So Matthew tells us that Joseph just decides, I'm done. I, I can't handle this drama. I'm out. It wasn't anything to do with it. And, and that's very understandable, isn't it? But Matthew also tells us that Joseph was a man of character And he was a man who had compassion. Listen to verse 19. Here's how it says. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. I mean, that created quite the dilemma for him. What do I do with this lady? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. This was the compassion side. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Like Joseph is going, okay, I'm willing to do whatever I can to protect her from as much shame as I can. And then here comes this word again, our word, but. I mean, the story takes a turn again. 
And I want you to notice what this but does to Joseph's life. Notice what happens. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Literally, this angel is telling Joseph, Mary's telling you the truth. But God knew that it, it was going to take an angel showing up and telling Joseph personally that Mary was telling the truth in order for Joseph to believe Mary. So he sends this angel to Joseph to tell him, you got to listen to your wife. Now, here's a question. Why would Joseph be afraid to take Mary home as his wife? I want you to think about it this way. Because Joseph knew that nobody was even going to believe him. Because see, when, when you think about this story, for us, the virgin birth is a big deal because we knew that Jesus needed to be a sinless savior. But you got to understand that they would have never seen in that culture, in that time, they would have never seen the virgin birth as a critical part of God's story in sending the Messiah. They weren't looking for a sinless savior. They were looking for a deliverer. So this whole idea that a virgin was going to give birth, like nobody is expecting that. And if Joseph takes Mary home to be his wife, then like everybody's going to assume that he's the father. I mean, his reputation is at risk. Her reputation his wrist. I mean, like, this is a mess. They live in this little small town, this small village, and everybody knows everybody's business. And everybody can tell you everybody's business kind of deal. Like, how's this going to affect their career? How's this going to affect their future? How, how's this going to affect their family in the future? So God sends this angel to convince Joseph, hey, take Mary as your wife. You got to love that because this was going to create so much chaos. This was going to create so much anxiety. This was going to create so much confusion that God says, I got to do something to get Joseph to buy into this. Notice verse 21. The angel goes on and tells Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In other words, the angel says to Joseph, Joseph, he says, what seems like this tragic turn of events, what seems like this cause for all kind of fear and anxiety, it is actually something that God is using to bring about good for all people. Like what it feels devastating to you right now, Joseph, it is going to be exciting later for all people. So there's so much more to this, Joseph, than just what meets the eye. Like this boy that you're going to have, he's going to grow up and he's going to go through greater tragedy on his own. Tragedy that's going to outweigh even what you're feeling right now. Like basically this angel is telling Joseph, listen, if you think your sorrow and your disappointment and your discouragement is great now, oh, it's going to be greater even later. Because he is going to suffer and he's going to die on a Roman cross. But it's through that tragic event that is going to happen to him. He's going to save his people from their sin. Now put yourself in Joseph and Mary's shoes for just a moment this morning. We know the end of the story. So we know what the angel said is true. 
But here's the reality. Joseph didn't have the luxury of looking back. Joseph has this very uncertain future in front of him. And to believe this angel, please understand this, to believe this angel, it didn't make this turn into a manger scene story. No, no, no. It didn't change the fact that nobody else is going to believe Joseph or Mary. To stay with Mary, it didn't change the fact that nobody else would assume that these two two teenagers had fooled around and had gotten pregnant. And then concocted this harebrained story. Oh, this was God. See, this angel's confirmation to Joseph, it wouldn't lessen the pain. It wouldn't lessen the shame. It wouldn't lessen the disappointment. Their lives, Joseph and Mary's lives, from this moment on are going to be turned upside down. Like their wedding, it's not going to be what they envision. They're going to deal with disappointment, anxiety, and fear. Like it was just now starting to get harder. I mean, this doesn't relieve anything. It puts their lives in more chaos and confusion with people around them. So the question we want to answer this morning is this. Like how did Mary and Joseph navigate through all of these emotions of disappointment and anxiety and fear? Like, have you ever thought about all that they had to push through? I mean, like, did they have their family support after this? After both of them are seen as liars? Maybe not. Did their friends stick by them after they concocted this harebrained story? And everybody goes, oh, a bunch of liars. Did their friends stick by? Maybe not. Now, this is just my opinion and understand this, but... I think you can also make a case that Mary and Joseph, who were from this little town called Nazareth, if you remember, they went by decree to Bethlehem to answer the census. And so Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And while there's a Herod part in the story, they don't return to Nazareth for like two years. And maybe... Maybe part of that was because of all the ridicule they had faced and they knew that they were going to face. And even part of Mary's pregnancy, she goes and lives with her cousin in another area. See, so many times we read the Christmas story, we think about the Christmas story. We don't think about all of the drama and the pain and the disappointment that Mary and Joseph, the fear and the anxiety that Mary and Joseph had gone through in their lives. So the question is, how did Mary and Joseph face those first couple of Christmases carrying their disappointment, their broken dreams, their fear and their anxiety? Like, how do you navigate this Christmas when it's your first Christmas and you have disappointments and you have dashed dreams and you had hopes that you go, it'll never be fulfilled? Well, Matthew tells us how Mary and Joseph did. Look at verse 22. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is where this story gets really practical for us. Because if you are at one of our churches today and you're feeling fear and anxiety, this is what will carry you through. Here's why you need Christmas. Because Christmas is the proof that God is with you. 
Like, how do you face this week? You remember that Jesus came to remind you that no matter what you face in life, God is with you. He came to remind you that it's, it's really not even about your situation get, getting better. It's really not even about your circumstances changing because Joseph's situation didn't get better. Mary's situation didn't get better. In fact, it started moving into the harder part because everybody found out that she was pregnant. So Christmas reminds us, you know, it's, it's not about finding that someone special to make up for that someone special that you lost this past year. It's not about landing that new job. It's not about having a miraculous pregnancy. Like, see, your circumstances don't have to change for you to find peace for this reason. Don't miss this. You might want to write it down. Peace doesn't come by fixing your problem, but by focusing on God's presence through your problem. Now, now here's the thing. As a church, we hope and pray that your problem gets fixed. In fact, we're going to do that today. I mean, that's really our prayer for you. But that's not required for you to have peace. It's not a requirement for you to find joy in these next few days. See, no matter whatever sadness you experience or disappointment or despair, despair or maybe any kind of fear or anxiety that you're facing, like you can make it through this Christmas because God's presence is with you. And the promise of his presence, I believe, is what carried Mary and Joseph through the difficulty and the hardship. Don't just think about for this one-year season, this birth season. No, but for the 33 years of Jesus' life and ministry. I mean, think about what they experienced as parents through his whole ministry season. It's what carried them through the loss of their son as they watched him hang on the cross. Imagine that disappointment. Imagine that pain. And it's like Matthew is telling us, and that's what's going to carry you through your season of disappointment as well. And it's why Matthew tells us that Joseph did what he, did what he does in verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Why? Why did he do that? Because Joseph was convinced that God was with him and that God's presence was enough to carry him through the fear and the anxiety and the discouragement and the disappointment. And the same can be true for every one of you. Like focusing on God's presence, it's not like some super magical or super spiritual kind of thing. It just means that when you start to feel afraid, when you start to feel anxious, when you start to feel that disappointment or that discouragement, you just pause. You just pause and remember what Christmas means. It reminds us that God is with us. You just talk to God and, and you tell him, God, I need your presence in this moment and I trust you to carry me through. God, you know my problem. You know the pain. You know the fear, the anxiety. And then you even thank him. Even though you don't have what you want, having him is exactly what you need to handle and face whatever you're facing in this season of your life. So here's the thing. If this Christmas season is going to be a tough one for you, or if you just are going through like a tough season, remember, you, you have a choice. You can try to focus on fixing the problem 
and it will create more fear and anxiety than what you can imagine. Or you can focus on Emmanuel, God with us. You can focus on his presence. You have a choice. We all have a choice this season. Which one will you choose? See, his presence being with you won't necessarily take away the problem. It didn't for Mary and Joseph. But what it will do is it will give you the strength to carry those problems through this Christmas season. Now, one of the ways that God shows up and is present with us, especially during difficult times, is through the body of Christ, by sending followers, other believers that are around us, to give prayer and support for one another. So here's our challenge for you this week for how we as a church can make this really personal and how we can help people who are going through difficult times experience the presence of God. And we're going to do it in two ways. The first way is we're going to help people experience the presence of God through social media. Like, here's how that will work. If this is your first Christmas facing a challenge or dealing with a loss, what we'd like for you to do is we'd like for you to go to Facebook and we'd like you to post a status something like this. Now, this is just an example, um, but I remember a few years ago, it was the loneliest Christmas of my life, the first year after my dad died. And you just go on your Facebook and you post something like this. I'd love your prayers as I face my first Christmas without my dad. And then you put hashtag for first Christmas. So if you're, if you're experiencing a loss, a difficult time, just say, hey, here's what I'd like for you to pray me, for me about. And then put hashtag for first Christmas. And here's what the rest of us do. Here's what we want the rest of you to do. You go to Facebook and you type in the search bar, hashtag for first Christmas. And it'll pull up all the posts with this hashtag. And then will you take a moment and you will, will you pray for these people Maybe like it, maybe comment on their post, let them know that you're supporting them, praying for them. I mean, can you imagine how someone who might be experiencing Christmas alone at a way that they never planned on this year, how their Christmas could be so different knowing that there are men and women and fellow believers out there that are praying for them? I mean, imagine what it would be like if our entire church is praying together for everyone who's in our church who's struggling. We think it can make a pretty powerful Christmas. So let's just overwhelm those who might be experiencing a but. This happened and now Christmas is not going to be the same. Can we all do that this week? But also what we want to do as we close out today is we just want to take a moment and pray that this Christmas that might be filled with sorrow or pain or anxiety or discouragement, we want to pray for you that you'll experience God's presence. Um, so at all of our churches, if, if that's you, you're just like, man, I just need, I need help getting through this Christmas. So I want everybody to bow your heads and open your hearts up to God. If that's you, at all of our churches, if you're saying, I could sure use some prayer. I could sure use some of God's presence. At all of our campuses, will, will you raise your hand right now. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. I, I, think, I think we need to do something different here. Everybody just put your heads back up for just a moment and then look around. Now, here's, here's why. 
If you need some, if you, if you say, I want to need prayer, I, I want to change that. We're going to do this. If you need prayer, will you just raise your hand? Will you just do that right now? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason I'm doing this. If you saw somebody raise their hand around you before you leave today, will you just tell them, hey, I'm going to be praying for you this season. I'm going to be praying for you. And if you don't know their name, just ask for their name so that they know you'll be specifically praying for them. Okay? So here's the thing. Let's do it one more time. If, if you are here on any of our churches and, and you say, I, just, I could use some prayer, would you just slip your hand up and then just put it right back down so the people around you can see? Yep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you. I thank you that Christmas reminds us that God is with us. God, we all need that. We all need that reminder. We need your presence. God, we need your power to help us through the discouragement, the difficulty, the fear, the anxiety. God, I just pray that you'll help us as a church body, God, to really be your presence because we are your body in this world. Help us to be your presence to the people who need it the most in this season. God, I just want to thank you so much that we have your Holy Spirit and that we can minister to other people through the power of your Holy Spirit. So I just pray that you'll help us as a church to come around each other, to support each other, so that this Christmas can be a great Christmas for everyone, no matter what they're experiencing in this season, because we all know that you're with us. Thank you for your love and help us to love each other as you loved us. God, you said there's nothing you wouldn't do to show us your love. And you showed us that through Christmas and help us to be that same example to those around us in this season. Nothing we won't do to show your love. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone. Don't forget to let people know you're going to be praying for them. We'll see you Christmas Eve. Don't forget to pick up your tickets on your way out. If you're a first-time guest, go by the gallery and say hi so we can give you a gift. Have a great day.